if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Lazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com and today we'll talk about the January 2024 update. First of all, I wanted to wish you all a happy new year with all my best wishes and uh, thank you very much again for following me here uh, at Easy Medical Device. It was really a great 2023 year and I hope that 2024 will be also really good for everyone. Um, so yeah, I, I, I hope you had also a good start of the, of the year. Uh, there was really a lot of um, information that were happening in December so now today we'll try to get, uh, to, get to it. But first, I wanted to introduce you our sponsor, which is MedBoard. So who is MedBoard? MedBoard, the regulatory, research and intelligence platform, is focused on solving the problem with increasing news and data and new requirements, as regulatory intelligence, post-market surveillance, clinical literature review and many more. We are making trusted MedTech information and data more accessible, creating the largest information portal search and the best tools for review, intelligence and portfolio management. We are already changing people's lives like you by reducing tedious manual and repetitive work or saving much time. Contact us at medboard.com to learn more about us and do a free trial. Okay, the first information of today is the EU reference laboratories for in vitro diagnostic products. So uh, some laboratories were designated, so EURL uh, were designated. So we have four fields uh, with the uh, laboratories. The first field is the mark, uh, markers for hepatitis or retrovirus uh, inspection, in, infection. The second is uh, markers for herpes virus infection. Uh, the third markers for infection with bacterial agents and markers for respiratory virus infection. So if you want to get more information about which are the labs, so there is an annex on the document that are showing all the laboratories that were selected for that. I suppose this will be updated to include maybe more, but these are the first one that were, uh, were selected. There is also an article that was uh, created by the EU Commission where it's summarizing a bit more about uh, those uh, those uh, laboratories. So don't hesitate to look at that if you are an IVD company and you are on those four fields then you need maybe to go through those laboratories to get your uh, results for the certification for, for your product. So don't hesitate to check that. Okay, so the European Commission sent a letter to the European Parliament mainly um, talking about cyber security. So the issue is mainly the fact that cyber, we have more and more software 
uh, as medical devices, digital software that are existing also. And cybersecurity will grow as a big threat for some of those softwares. And we have seen that there are some legislation that are available, but they are not, like I said, talking to each other horizontally. So the idea here is to warn uh, the parliament and to ask maybe for more guidances for more support uh, in terms of the implementation of those um, those legislation or those uh, connections between all the different legislations so this is something that is important uh, so remember that for medical devices um, software or products that are containing a software you still need to prove that uh, there is no risk of cyber attacks or anything so we have specific guidance uh, uh, ndcg guidance also talking about that so don't hesitate mainly to review what is written there but it's just a letter for suggesting or for mainly um, pushing some um, proposals uh, within uh, the European Parliament so don't hesitate to check that but we'll see later how what will be the outcome of, uh, of, uh, of this okay uh, in 2023, uh, in December 2023, we had a lot of MDCG guidance that were issued. So uh, we had one about uh, so MDCG 2023-7, which was a guidance on the exemptions from the requirements to perform a clinical investigation pursuant to Article 61. So mainly the idea here is what are some rules or some cases where you don't need to have clinical investigation for your products. For example, if you your products already went through the EU MDD, it was already on the market and it has enough clinical data, no need to redo again a clinical investigation. I mean, it, it is already written on the on the EU MDR, Article 61, but here it's more emphasis, what, what are the, some of the different exemptions for you to not perform a clinical investigation? I mean, as long as you have enough clinical data, um, for your products, maybe clinical investigation are not needed. We don't need to torture more people when we know already that the product is safe and performant. So this is mainly the idea of, of this document. But if you are still asking yourself, are you exempted from performing a clinical investigation, then uh, MDCG 2023-7 is the uh, guidance that you have to look at. Okay, now MDCG 2019-7 uh, revision 1, which is uh, was already published in 2019, as you can see on the name. Uh, it is about the PRRC, so Person Responsible for Regulatory Compliance. Uh, so um, if you had still some question about PRRC, this guidance will try to um, clarify some elements. So as I said, it was already published in 2019, um, but there was some elements inside that were not clear. So now there are some clarification. Uh, example about the localization of the PRRC inside Europe, outside Europe. Uh, even outside Europe means um, can I be in China and be the PRC of somebody located in the US because we are all outside Europe. So it's also pre precising things. The diplomas for companies outside Europe. Uh, what is the key role of a PRC? What uh, the, that the PRC shall uh, not suffer any disadvantage. Also, uh, the role of the PRC within the authorized representative, the PRC registration new damed. For example, um, if your PRC registration new damed and you are changing your PRC, you have normally per the rules one week to update your damed with the new name of the new PRC. So this is something that is. 
not well known so it's why it's important also that you write that maybe on your procedures if you have a procedure about PRC writing the fact that if a PRC change or there is an update on the PRCs uh, this should be done within one week is also important because this is what is written on the legislation so yeah um, if you need more information about PRC then this guidance was already existing before now was updated with more clarification for it the next guidance that was updated again uh, to NDC 2021-27 revision 1, so about article 13 and 14 about importer and distributors. So uh, it was updated to include more questions and answers uh, than before. Uh, just a reminder, an importer is a company that is placing on the market a product that is coming from outside of the European Union. A distributor is a company that is inside the European Union and is receiving products from out inside the European Union and place it again, inside, uh, make it available inside the European Union. So the importer is like the door of entry from outside of the European Union to the inside of the European Union. Distributor is just an actor that is moving products inside the European Union. So a distributor can also be an importer, as I say, depends mainly where the product is coming from. So this guidance is telling you mainly all that. So if you have to have more understanding about what is an importer, what is a distributor, do you need multiple importers or can you have only one? This guidance is answering the question. Okay, uh, we have now two series of guidance. So the first one is MDCG 2023-5, which is a guidance on the qualification and classification of Annex 16 products. So Annex 16 products, these are products that have no medical uh, intended purpose, uh, but they are considered as medical devices. So you have also to classify those. Um, I have read this document and I find only one class one device, all the other are class two A to B or three. Uh, the one class one device are connecting tubes or cannulas reusable. I suppose it's mainly for liposuction, for example. Uh, these are the only ones that you can see as a class one. I suppose even class one are uh, because reusable and maybe as it's used in surgery so it's uh, maybe a class one error also, but yeah, to be confirmed because I don't know if class one error is applicable also for such products. But mainly these are the only ones. So it means that all the others need a notified body. Only those ones don't need a notified body. Um, this is really important to understand because we have mainly uh, a lot of products that are now uh, going through this Annex 16. Notified bodies are now getting ready for that. There are new rules of transition for Annex 16 products. So you have to understand what is the classification and then decide how you will be placing these devices on the market. Next one, uh, again about Annex 16, uh, MDCG 2023-6, which is the guidance on the demonstration of equivalence uh, for Annex 16 products. So it's the same uh, as for medical devices when you have uh, to prove that your device is performant and safe, you have to do some clinical evaluation. And for that, you can also use equivalent devices. But here, how can I use an equivalent device? Maybe, for example, for a product that is under Annex 16 without a medical purpose and making it equivalent to a medical device that has a medical purpose. So this is mainly the idea also. So here they are giving you the rules on how to consider uh, mainly equivalency for your products, how to collect clinical data, and then how to avoid also to do some clinical investigation uh, with them. So check this guidance if you want to know more about how to make your product equivalent. 
Okay, now talking, we'll talk about companion diagnostics. So the EMA, European Medicine Agency, has issued a question and answer document that is talking mainly about companion diagnostics. So companion diagnostics, this is an in vitro diagnostic product um, under IVDR. So it's usually a product that is used to detect some markers within your uh, organism and uh, then use a certain medicine that is targeting those markers. For example, during a, within a cancer um, in oncology, uh, mainly you are trying to detect the markers coming from a certain tumor and then you are using a specific medicine to target these markers because they are specifically for this uh, type of tumor. And this is mainly uh, really uh, focalizing uh, the target to really um, the cells that contain this, uh, this marker. Markers, these markers. So companion diagnostic is an in vitro diagnostic product following IVDR. So uh, you have then also to follow the uh, rules about medical devices. The problem is that we have a lot of pharmaceutical companies that are not understanding medical device uh, regulations or in vitro diagnostic uh, medical device regulations. Uh, so then they have no um, yeah, understanding mainly again about the IVDR rules how to qualify their medicinal products with the IVDR, what are the tests that they have to do, what are the applications they have to do, do they have to go through the EMA or through each agencies in the, in the European Union. So there's a lot of questions. So I hope this guidance, EMA, uh, Q&A, uh, question and answers uh, documents will help you for, for that. Okay, now Switzerland. In Switzerland, we have uh, some alignments. There is always like that. In Switzerland, there are always some guidances and alignments that are created, and this time is again for Annex 16. So mainly, they are creating a document that is aligning the rules about uh, Annex 16 products between Europe and also Switzerland. So they are talking mainly about what is an Annex 16 product, what are the rules about application, etc., etc. So uh, this is just a guidance that is showing mainly uh, the Annex 16 or medical device without an internet purpose because there is no Annex 16 in, uh, in uh, Switzerland and explain the rule for that. But as I say, this is aligned with what the European Union is doing. You will see that Switzerland is trying really to align a lot of what they are doing with the European Union, mainly because actually they are in disagreement because each one it goes in <laughs> in a certain way. But the objective is mainly if at a certain point Switzerland comes back to the European Union for medical devices, then everything is already aligned so there is no need to recreate or change things. Like the Swiss Damed for you Damed, so it's also something that is, um, is there. So it's then an opportunity for maybe later to have Swiss back to the European Union and then to avoid uh, also uh, some, uh, uh, yeah, some issues of misalignments of the different rules. Um, Switzerland has also issued a guidance for uh, exemptions of certain medical devices in case they are not conforming to uh, the, the rules on, in Switzerland. Mainly this is for products that have not followed a certain CE marking, for example, or a certain uh, conformity assessment, but there is an emergency need inside the country. So if you are a manufacturer and you have this kind of products, then this guidance will tell you what you should do. You should still inform the Swiss medic about, uh, about that, the agency, uh, but what are exactly the rules that you have to follow for, for that, which application, what are the which products can be following this rule, etc. So um, this kind of uh, guidance 
it was created a lot of time by uh, any country, mainly, for example, during the coronavirus uh, situation. So this is mainly the same here, where they are trying also to align with the requirements that is uh, that are mentioned by the European Union because in the European Union, in the UMDR and IVR, there is also this rule of uh, if there is any emergency, the country can decide to also accept some products even if they have not followed the, the UMDR. So this is mainly here the same rule again. Okay, notified bodies now. So we have now um, the announcement of the 43rd notified body under UMDR, which is Seski Metrologic. Key Institute in Czech Republic. Uh, so yeah, as said, notified bodies, we have 43 notified bodies. If you are located in Spain and you need a notified body, you don't need to choose specifically a Spanish one. You can go to the uh, Seski Metrology Key Institute in Czech Republic. So as long as you are located in the European Union, I mean, you are trying to get a CE marking, you can choose any notified body located in any part of the European Union. You can maybe choose your notified body because of languages. Uh, if you are in France, maybe you choose the GMED because this is the only notified body located in France and speaking uh, maybe French. Uh, but you can also choose um, certain notified body because of their availability, because we have some notified bodies that are really busy and maybe some others that still have some slots uh, for you, or because of budget. So there are multiple reasons, but geographically, uh, you can choose whichever uh, notified body you want. And in terms of notified bodies, so what is the situation? So 43 notified bodies under MDR, 12 notified bodies under IVDR. And if you look at this notified body situation, um, you'll see that uh, there, we still have a lot of steps before to arrive to another notified body. I think it's a, a certain step where uh, we have a lot of notified bodies that are in the kappa review, a kappa stage. Uh, so it means that before to arrive to the final stage, there are five, four or five steps to uh, follow. So I think we will stay with 43 and 12 notified body for a certain period of time before a new one will be announced. But yeah, we'll see that in the, in the next month. Okay, training now. So uh, last year we had a successful uh, green belt training uh, with a session that was issued uh, around 10 times, I think. Um, so we had uh, then also a lot of uh, students or participants of the green belt uh, certification program that uh, succeeded and got their, uh, their diploma, if I can say, their certification. Uh, so this year we have already issued the three next session for the green belt certification program. The first one is in January, so it's edition 28th, uh, so January 22nd until January uh, 28th, and you can see on the show notes a link to then uh, register to that. <coughs> the second one is in February, the, tw uh, the edition 29th, uh, so February 19th until 23rd, and the, third, uh, the 30th edition is in March, March 25th until 29th. So you can go on the show notes and you can mainly check uh, all the information that are related to that. So register as quick as possible because yeah, each time it's the same, each time people are arriving late and say, oh, uh, I didn't know that there was a, a class available. So now you know for the next three months, here, are the, here is the agenda for the quarter number one, 2024. We have also some e-training, so means uh, training, uh, self-paced training, so on demand. So the first one is about vigilance reporting. So inside this e-training, I explain to you how to perform vigilance reporting in the European Union. What are the rules? What are the documents to fill? How to find the information? Uh, what mainly to, uh, to, 
to follow as a timeline because it depends when the issue happened you have a certain timeline to report it to the authorities so i explained that to you and i show you also the documents that are needed for uh, filling all those uh, information within a video uh, series uh, of training and uh, with also the links of the different documents that are needed for for that so don't hesitate to check this course and at the end you'll get also uh, uh, your certificate for uh, the participation of, uh, to this uh, to this course and the second one is about audit readiness so um, within my customers I have a lot of people that were uh, having an audit for the first time so because we are helping a lot of startups um, so the objective was to train those people on how uh, they can be ready for an audit so I suppose that a lot of people don't really have experience about audit so here in this training in the audit readiness training we are explaining to you how to be prepared for an audit what to um, do during the audit and how also to, to work uh, after the audit so many of the ideas about preparation execution and uh, correction maybe after uh, the audit so don't hesitate also to go to those uh, courses Okay, we will start now about the rest of the world. So first we start with Mexico. Uh, so Mexico has um, issued a guidance on how to register a medical device in uh, Mexico. So this is really a document that is really interesting. It's in um, Spanish. So uh, the idea is mainly that if you speak Spanish, great. Uh, otherwise you have to translate it. But it tells you mainly what are the rules for placing your device in Mexico. If you need someone to register your device in Mexico, don't hesitate also to, to contact us at Easy Medical Device. We have partners all over the world to register medical devices. Uh, so Mexico is one of them. So we have a few people that can help you for, for that. But not only Mexico, for other uh, countries also. So don't hesitate to consult also with us if you have any, uh, any requests uh, like that. Then Brazil, uh, so Brazil has uh, it started a pilot for an innovative for innovative medical devices. So I think it's the same as uh, the US for the breakthrough procedure. Uh, so they created a pilot and they extended the, um, the application for this pilot. So if you are in Brazil, if you have some innovative medical devices, then you can uh, apply for this pilot until uh, January 19th, 2024. So don't hesitate to check that. It's important to go through those uh, programs because it will help you to, to create some kind of breakthrough procedures, so procedures mainly for uh, some innovative products. This is something that uh, we are missing in Europe. So if you are innovative or not even innovative, you go through the same way. What will be great is that for innovative medical devices, there will be also an, uh, a fast track, uh, also or, um, a, a, a track or pathway where you can get some support from the from the authorities but here Anvisa is working on that so it's great now Hong Kong I think it's the first time we talk with about Hong Kong but they issued a lot of new guidances uh, so I wanted them to list them to you I haven't read every all of them but it's the same and nearly as what's happening in Europe uh, so the first one is about artificial intelligence medical devices the second one about software medical devices and cyber security the third one about guidances not to list for listing of class two three four uh, general medical devices the same about uh, class uh, BC D in vitro medical devices and the classification of in vitro medical devices. 
So these are guidances that are really uh, interesting uh, and the fact that they are pushing also a lot of them at the, at the same time is uh, also showing that they are really trying to uh, get more and more in this race of regulation. So don't hesitate to check mainly uh, what is written there. What I assume is the fact that there will be a lot of alignments with what uh, the other countries are, are doing, which is great because then you don't need to change your way to do to go to a certain uh, country. But it's important to check if you are planning to register your devices in uh, in Hong Kong, uh, to check what are the rules and if your device is matching with what is written there. USA now, uh, the FDA has uh, changed um, something about the exports. Uh, so mainly before for export documents, you had to have that on paper. Now they are transitioning to electronic export documents. Uh, there are still some rules uh, that were defined. So there is a letter to the industry that was issued by the FDA. Uh, and inside, for example, they are saying even if you have electronic documents, it should be a colored stamp on it, etc. So there are a lot of things that are written inside but now they are moving from paper to digital which is great uh, and this will help I hope a lot of people but there are still some rules that have to be followed so don't hesitate to check this document about about that if you are exporting your your medical devices India now, so digitalization again. So a lot of agencies are starting to work on digitalization. So India has created a national single window system portal, which is maybe a, mainly a portal for the registration of your company as an actor within the Indian market, uh, as an economic operator, as an importer, as a, so mainly to um, show, uh, share uh, the fact that you ask for the authorization to be placing devices on the Indian market. Um, also for testing, uh, mainly when you are trying to um, test your devices in the Indian market, um, I suppose clinical investigation, but also testing in laboratories. So then this can be um, used, this portal can be used. So uh, there is a full guidance I, on the show notes showing to you mainly what are the different steps, the different screenshots and everything. So don't hesitate to go there to check that if you need mainly to uh, work in the Indian market, this platform will be helpful. I suppose it's really nearly trying to be aligned also with the UDAMED requirements. So I suppose it's nearly the same here, but um, I cannot confirm that. Uh, I never used it, it's just announced, So, uh, but maybe we'll know later that yeah, it's really aligned with what UDAMED in Europe is uh, trying to do also. Australia now, so there is a guidance in Australia about boundary and combination products. So mainly which product is a medical device or a medicinal products or uh, in vitro or uh, bio seed, etc. So uh, this guidance is trying to help you understand which, uh, how to classify your products and what are the main uh, rules about your products. As I said, this is something that we are also doing in Europe. We have this MDCG guidance about borderline products. We have also the borderline manual that is existing. So this problem in Europe is the same in any other country. So here the idea was mainly to hex explain or train people on how to work on that. And mainly the therapeutic purpose is what is driving what is your product. If you have a syringe that is empty, it's a medical device. But if it is already pre-filled with a drug, then the therapeutic purpose is the drug purpose, not the syringe purpose. So then it's a drug. Uh, product is not a medical device product. It contains a medical device, but it's mainly a drug. So this is an example, for example, but here uh, you can see the rules that are defined by the TGA for Australia. 
In Australia, again, they are also issuing a rule about, I mean, a guidance about how to submit custom-made devices or patient-matched devices in Australia. So this is really something that is interesting uh, because also in Europe, we have this debate about is 3D printing, for example, considered as custom-made? What is custom-made? And here, the rules are nearly the same about mass production, about the fact that uh, there is a difference between custom-made for specific patients and patient-matched, which is using a product that is already existing and just making it match to a patient uh, so there is really some some rules that are defined here so as I said it's the same in Europe we have MDC guidance that are talking about that here they are also having some guidances on how to submit and to uh, validate uh, to register a custom-made device or a patient match device within the Australian uh, country then Malaysia so Malaysia has issued some uh, guidance also um, harmonized borderline products for Asians. So it's the same as what we just saw in the Australia. They have listed a lot of medical devices and say, is it a medical device or a drug or for the Asian? So Asian uh, um, uh, Southeast Asia countries. So mainly it's an association of the Southeast Asian countries. So mainly all the Southeast Asian countries are defining the rules of what is a medical device and not a medical device. So the borderline rules here. So this is kind of a standard that is uh, uh, explaining mainly or harmonized uh, rule that is explaining mainly what is a medical device in the different countries. But it was published in the in Malaysia. The second one is the list of the harmonized classification of medical devices in Asia and also. So here, mainly the same uh, is the classification of the different products in the Southeast Asia. So what are the rules that should be defined? So if you are trying to register your products in Southeast Asia, so don't hesitate also to check that. And the same, we can help you for Southeast Asia registration. We have a lot of partners in the region that can help you. So if you need the registration of your devices in Southeast Asia, contact Easy Medical Device at info at easymedicaldevice.com. Uh, let's start now with the podcast nostalgia. So mainly uh, last year, so in uh, December, we had a few podcast episodes and one that started last week. Uh, so the first one is about usability. So usability is a big topic in medical devices. And here the idea is mainly to help you understand what is usability, uh, what is a summative test, a formative test, all those things that uh, the 62366 is talking about. Uh, so for that, uh, we had the episode 262 with Michael Engler. Uh, so the idea is mainly to then uh, share with you all the tips, tricks, and uh, understanding of that. Michael Michael's company is also doing uh, usability studies. So if you need any support, you can go on the show notes and, and talk to him directly. Next episode, we had uh, episode 263. Uh, we talked mainly about why you should invest in your regulatory department. Uh, invest means in people, but also in tools that are helping. And for that, we had uh, RIMSIS, um, RIMSIS um, company that was mainly helping uh, for that with James Janustos, Janustos sorry, <laughs> the CEO of RIMSIS. So RIMSIS is a company that is providing some um, tools, regulatory affairs tools uh, for uh, medical devices. And here, uh, James is mainly talking to us about um, why it's important to invest, what are the benefits of investing in your uh, regulatory department. Next episode was more a Christmas episode, if I can say. So it was about the life of a QARA uh, podcaster. So I was interviewed by uh, so uh, another 
podcast uh, <laughs> podcast host so mainly it was about Claudia Danel and uh, Jörg uh, Brokeman uh, so mainly we had uh, a funny episode where we talk about our life as podcaster what was the benefit of being podca podcasting uh, what are the the things that were good which episode was also great etc so also the idea here is to share with you the fact that it's great to start a podcast so don't hesitate also to start yourself a podcast because mainly uh, you have maybe some, something to share and more there is a diversity in podcast better it is also because yeah i cannot satisfy everybody so many it's great to have a lot of other podcasters that are maybe providing some some great content also but uh, it's great to have discussed with um, uh, claudia and Jorg because it was really a funny episode also And last year we had episode 265. Uh, so I recorded um, when I was in Medica, at Medica in uh, Dusseldorf in November, uh, um, the presentation that has made uh, Stefan Bolaininger. Uh, he made a presentation about heat map, so mainly the way to uh, make some Uh, key uh, indicators about your regulatory affairs department uh, so uh, inside this we have the presentation so you can uh, hear listen to it on your car also look at it because he was uh, presenting that directly on screen but uh, I also have the uh, the presentation the the, sh the, the slides that were uh, created by Stefan he, he, um, he was generous to, to send that to me so it's also on the show notes so you can then go and, um, and, and find that so it's great here because many it tells you a methodology so that you can also show uh, if your department is good or bad or define some rules to uh, maybe um, uh, show uh, the heat point or cold point mainly of your of your quality and regulatory affairs department so don't hesitate to go on the show notes to check uh, to check that okay it was the end of this episode so thank you very much for all your support And uh, I hope yeah, you had really a great um, start of the year. So wish you a great day and talk to you soon. Monir Alazouzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market.